Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of short non-fiction for authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Hello, authors. I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with author Lorraine Horsley on writing nonfiction. Lorraine is a children's picture book and nonfiction book author. After a 20-year process of sending books to publishers and piling up the rejections, Lorraine generously shares her traditional publishing adventure with us and her tips on how to write and make non-fiction engaging, as well as offering advice for aspiring authors. So in my author adventure this last fortnight, it's been both good and not so good. Sadly, the ASA mentorship program that I put my middle grade manuscript in for was announced on the 16th of March, and I was sadly not one of the winners. I actually got the dates mixed up. I thought Thursday was the 16th, and so when I was at my scriptwriting job on Wednesday, which was the 16th, and I clocked that that was the day I sort of let out a bit of a scream and then went to check the ASA uh, website and yeah they hadn't uploaded anything yet but I'd seen that you know winners would be contacted by email or phone and I thought to myself well and then announced I thought well I haven't received a phone call or an email although there was a phone call from I think it was a bit Victoria number the night before which I didn't answer because I thought it was a sales call so I started to think oh you know maybe that was them but then the email they would have emailed if if I hadn't won so when I did see the announcements I kept sort of checking after that and then I saw and I, yeah I was quite sad and uh, what I was aware of though I immediately noticed the thoughts that I had you're not good enough uh, you should quit this instantly started doubting myself and my work you know, you're not good enough to be doing this. But then, you know, I had a talk with myself and from the announcement, it said there was an increase of 20% of applicants this year and over 350 authors had applied. Now to me, that's huge. That's a big competition. And, you know, I wish everybody well who did win. Congratulations. I wish I was one of them, but never mind. And to anyone listening who did submit their work and like myself, unsuccessful at this time, Don't take it personally. Keep working on your manuscript. Let it rest. Then emerge and see how you can make it better. And certainly don't give up or beat yourself up. Just keep going. A writer's traits to succeed are determination, dedication, confidence and professionalism. So that is what I'm going to remember. And as I said, this manuscript had been sitting all of last year. I had some ideas about how I can make it better. So when time permits it, I will revisit it and have a look at how I can, yeah, get it to a better standard. So the good things on my writer 
adventure this last fortnight as I've made, made some headway with my goal of getting my two non-fiction books into the three formats, ebook, print and audio by the 31st of March, where I will be accountable to my business consultant, Kate. Another cool thing was the Hybrid Author podcast had been selected by some panellists from Feedspot and made it onto the top 35 Australian book and writing podcast list uh, on the web and uh, yeah I think made it to number 20 which was pretty cool so I put that link in the show notes because they've actually compiled a, a really cool list of Australian book and writing podcasts that and some of them I'm aware of and some I wasn't so it was nice to discover some new new books and writing podcasts there so definitely check it out and yeah share the love <laughs> so if you love the podcast or some of the episodes or any of the episodes have helped you get further in your author career you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. So enough about me, let's crack on with the episode. Lorraine Horsley writes stories for children and adults along with non-fiction. Her first non-fiction book, You've Got This, Tips for the Uncertain Student was published by Dixie Books in October 2021. Her first picture book, When You Left, is scheduled to be released by Dixie Books in 2022. Lorraine has a Bachelor of Arts in English, an Associate Degree in Training and Development, a Master of Arts in Professional Writing and Literature, and is about to embark on another education journey with a higher degree by research. Lorraine was a presenter and producer with ABC Radio. She also spent the last couple of decades teaching and tutoring students at the start of their higher education journeys. When not teaching or studying, Lorraine spends her time writing. She's a longtime member of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, Squibby, and is a committee member of the Children's Book Council of Australia WA branch, CBCAWA. Lorraine believes books can change the world, and the right book at the right time can change your life. I absolutely love that, Lorraine. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast. Hi, Joan. Thanks so much for hosting me. I've been really looking forward to having a chat to you. Yes, me too. You're welcome. So how is it you have found the time in between being a family woman to do all this study and amazing research and, uh, you know, be a writer as well? Well, it, it takes a bit of juggling, but um, I just try and grab those few minutes here and there whenever they present themselves and try and make the best of them. Um, but there's some weeks, I must admit, not a lot gets done. How, how many children you, you have? Um, we've got five children between us. So I've got two adult stepchildren. And we've got three children of our own, but the youngest is 17, nearly 18. So we don't see much of them anymore, actually. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. So all this, the, the study journey, how, how long has that been over a span of how many years that you've been doing all these degrees and, you know, masters and now on to, you know, a higher degree in research? This is fantastic. It's funny, really, like I, I hardly ever went to school. I was a really sickly child, oh. never went to school. Um, I was home a lot. But when I was at home, I was reading and I was used to watch all the education shows on TV. So I never really stopped learning. I wasn't a big fan of school either. But when I left, I thought the only thing that I really loved was English and writing. 
And then I thought I thought about going on to further study. And I thought, well, what if I just did English and writing? That would be pretty cool. So I went back to study. I started my first degree back in 1988, which feels like an eternity ago now. <laughs> um, and I guess I've never really stopped. So yeah, I'm a bit of a bit of a junkie. Degreedy, yeah. that's what you can call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's amazing. So obviously stemming from a love of reading, and uh, that's how the writing career began for you. So were you writing stories whilst you were studying or like kind of came afterwards? Yeah, I was. I guess I'll just go back to one of my very first memories of, of books and reading was I remember hammering away at my mum's typewriter when I was a kid, <laughs> quite convinced I was writing like the next, you know, Enid Blyton thriller. Um, and that was actually probably before I could even write. So I think my love of stories gone back a really, really long way. But there were periods in my life when I couldn't couldn't write anything. But um, another one of my earliest writing memories was when I was nine years old. I decided I was going to write a novel, as you do when you're nine. <laughs> I remember the opening clearly. It was riveting. It was a cold, wet Friday afternoon. How exciting <laughs> a start is that? Uh, and it was an adventure of a black horse called Noir, probably in style, inspired by the Black Stallion movie that had come out like a few weeks before. And his best friend was an Afghan hound, probably inspired by my Barbie doll's Afghan hound. Um, <laughs> and they went off on these fantastic adventures horse and dog together and it may have been I'm going to say cross-referenced I'm not going to say plagiarized but from the Silver Brumby books so I started that when I was nine took me three years to write it I finished it when I was 12 and I can remember getting yeah three years I mean obviously that wasn't continually writing but I sat on the lounge at the ripe old age of 12 I finished I wrote the end on this handwritten manuscript and I burst into tears my mum and dad were like what's wrong what's wrong love I finished my book um (laughs) So I guess even back then it was like, if you've got a, if you're going to write a book, you just got to keep going to get to the end, no matter how long and painful a process that may be. <laughs> wow. Even at that age, being disciplined, that's uh, some achievement. Did you keep the manuscript at all or? Yeah, I have. I've, we've actually moved house and I've lost it, but it did resurface and it's about probably about 40 A4 pages. I had a go at doing the illustrations as well, which weren't particularly successful. <laughs> and one day I keep promising myself I will get it out and read it, but I, I don't think it's salvageable into anything. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's not true. But even so, that's that's great that you can take that into schools and show children and be like, you know, I did this and uh, this is where yeah. I am now. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you know, you've, you've got your book out into the world. You've got this is now out there. Can you tell us a bit about this book and yeah, how's it all going? Yeah, I can. So this is my first attempt at a nonfiction book. I've written fiction all my life, mostly books for kids. And um, I thought, I actually want to have a go at nonfiction. I thought, well, I've never written nonfiction before, which was hilarious because, of course, I've worked in the media all my life. So most of the stuff that's published out there is nonfiction. So I thought, well, if I was going to write a book, what would I like to write about? And I thought, I want to write a book for my students. So I teach a uni preparatory course. So I have a lot of students that suffer from crippling anxiety, mental health issues, serious fear of failure. And um, a lot of them already have suffer also from imposter syndrome. So I have a lot of students that come through that might have, say, studied for their ATAR and didn't do as well as they'd hoped. Other students have decided, you know, they've gone through general studies and have come into the, the prep course that way. And often I'm, I'm greeted by 17-year-olds that, that think they're stupid, which is just awful because they didn't do as well as they'd hoped at school. So I thought, well, I want to write a book that's going to address that, that's going to give them the tips and tricks to overcome some of those feelings of anxiety because I went through a lot of that when I went to uni as well um, way back when 
And I think there wasn't a lot out there to help me. And I guess I wrote the book that I wished I'd had when I started uni. So yeah, so it's all about getting prepared, tackling some of those big topics, you know, like fear of failure, how to receive feedback, all of those things that a lot of the other study books out there just don't really tell you how to do. Mm, yeah, address. I could imagine the, the the other study books are more about prepping for study and things like that, rather than actually mentally preparing you, which like, as someone who did do a, a degree as well, I don't think uni does prepare you for that. And And even after it, going into the the job world like I started out as a freelance writer afterwards and I just did not have that mindset either to to shift from that so it sounds like an absolute fantastic read and yeah I wish I had that as well <laughs> when I went <laughs> so yeah did, did you um did you read a lot of non-fiction as you were younger you're a non-fiction reader yourself I read some non-fiction obviously like through all the studies and stuff like that you do a lot of research and my master's was in professional writing and literature. My, my husband actually calls me that, that the master's in Winnie the Pooh because I specialise in children's <laughs> literature. Um, <laughs> so I did do a lot of reading um, of, of nonfiction for all of those sorts of that sort of study side of things. I haven't done an awful lot of reading of, of general nonfiction until I was until I was an adult and thought, you know, there's so much I don't know. So I do love going on and finding finding books that are going to help me, especially with writing, non-fiction writing books I'm a bit addicted to. I've got a lot of them on the shelf, a lot of them on my Kindle. <laughs> I'm sure we can relate to that. So yeah, and I think I just love the opportunity, I suppose, to think, well, there might be something that I can do that's going to help my students. So I did a lot of reading for this book in order to produce a book that I think is going to be hopefully going to be helpful to them. That's it. And even just, I think what a lot of nonfiction is, is writing from personal experience. And, you know, you, you said what you went through and this is the book you wish you had. So I think there's obviously some absolute gems in there for people and, and dealing with that. And it's a very current, especially today issue, um, you know, imposter syndrome and self-doubt and yeah so with this book and obviously your past manuscripts and things and as we said before you're a mother and very busy working and, and stuff and you just grabbed writing time where you could would you say you had a writing process in place or is it really just <laughs> where you each week changes so you just roll with the punches and just go as you are you don't really schedule time in or anything or I, I shouldn't laugh should I my, my <laughs> writing process it, it is a mess it is a complete mess every week every day is different so I tend to be a bit chaotic, I suppose, in my approach. With the fiction side of things, I've tried really hard to, I've downloaded the Scrivener software, I've organised all my notes, I thought this is it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to plot it, I'm going to plan it all out, and then I can't do it. I just can't do it. So um, I've just finished the a second draft of a women's contemporary fiction novel, 82,000 words. Wow. The first, draft, the first draft was one document, no chapter breaks, nothing from start <laughs> to finish, and I... <laughs> I wanted to cry when I got to the end. I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> um, but as I went through it, the second draft, I managed to chapterize it relatively easily and now I'm up to the third draft. So yeah, I think it's um the process itself for me is just getting my bum in the chair yep. and writing and just trusting that the words are going to come despite the fact that I'm quite convinced myself before I walked in the door of the study that it's not going to happen. <laughs> and all the other things I need to do that day are far more important, like, you know, clean the cat's teeth or go and do the grocery <laughs> shopping or whatever. Um, <laughs> so it is really just a matter of like for me is getting my bum in the chair saying, right, just for half an hour. And I sort of play those little mind games. So I'm just going to do half an hour and see how we go. And then, you know, the next thing you know, you've got a couple of thousand words on the page and life looks a lot brighter. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And even part of the process for you could be, I've got to untangle this jumbled chaotic mess that's, <laughs> that I've produced, you know, <laughs> make it coherent or something. And I can absolutely relate because I'm exactly the same. <laughs> 
I love to make a schedule and everything and uh, I, it never it goes out the window completely I love doing all that but I yeah the life gets in the way and yeah it doesn't tend to happen that way as long as something gets done I suppose that's the main thing <laughs> so. yeah, that's <laughs> with um, fiction and particularly like a lot of the joy for me of the writing is not not knowing what's going to happen next so if I plan too much I'm, I find myself trying to lean towards that plan and I think no that's not that's not where the story's taking me mm. and I have to say I find writing non-fiction a whole lot easier so much easier I think because I had the idea for the book I was driving home I was like half an hour away from home and I had the idea and by the time I pulled up in my driveway I had all the topics pretty much in my head as to what I wanted to tell my students I went straight in I jotted them all down and they there were a few more that were added as I carried on writing but generally that formed the contents page and I just wrote to the chapters much easier than writing a novel <laughs> yeah yeah well it sounds like definitely writing non-fiction is more planned and easier because you're probably writing what you know especially in this setting whereas the fiction you're kind of you know writing out into space just just waiting for the you know the creativity to come so yeah um yeah, that's so writing non-fiction you know it can be quite factual what are the kind of ways that you can make it engaging you know is it um, break, breaking down into chunks or just kind of writing it in a an engaging way rather than just you know like a textbook type of thing yeah well that's the thing I like I said there's a lot of there's a lot of study books out there I actually ordered one who I won't mention the name of this particular book but I ordered a book to, to give me some inspiration some ideas before I got started um and it was massive and it had really tiny font and I thought if I was a student I would not have time mm -hmm. <laughs> to sit and read this book which was a shame because some of the information it was fantastic so I knew I didn't want something like that um, similarly, there's a lot of books out there that tell you how to study and how to pass exams. Again, I didn't want anything like that. I wanted a book that was going to help students be brave enough to get started in the first place. So to talk about, you know, um, setting goals, facing your fears, how to become an autonomous student, all of those sorts of things that we were not really well prepared for when we start uni. So I thought, right, it's going to be a simple to read book. They're going to get enough academia when they get to university without me putting lots in the book. I certainly did a lot of academic research as I was putting the book together. And I lean on that a lot, but it's in a very, um, I think, an approachable style. I wanted it to be quite short. So it's only about 30,000 words. So it's easy to digest. There's 15 chapters in that, those 30,000 words. So they're quite short, sharp and shiny. Each chapter has an over to you section. So I really wanted this to be a personal message, I guess, to my students or to whoever picks up the book that if do the recommendations and work through the little workbook sections, they're actually going to be addressing their own fears and anxieties on a really personal level. So that was really important. I put in some inspirational quotes at the start of every chapter to break it up a little bit. A good friend of mine, uh, Chantira Sika, is a cartoonist. So I've got a really beautiful um, cartoon for the start of every chapter to sort of lighten the mood a little bit. And I've got lots of quotes as well from past students. I think knowing that other students have been where you are, I've got a couple in there from you know people that have completed their PhDs that were like, no, I was absolutely terrified. I didn't think I was smart enough. And yeah. I think it's really nice to read those things and go, well, there's other people out there like me. Plus you've got my own anecdotes as well. So an interesting one was actually as I was writing the book, I've had a lifelong fear of maths, never been able to work that out. And it wasn't until I started to write the chapter on some aspects of fear that I realized where my fear of maths had come from. And it was from a really quite a nasty uh, teacher I had as a child. You know, he was the sort of person that would throw the blackboard eraser across the room and hit kids around the ear for being stupid, really quite nasty. 
So as soon as I started having trouble with that, the last thing I wanted to do was put my hand, hand up and ask for help. So yeah. those sorts of things are in the book, like, you know, what are, the, what are those stumbling blocks and how might we overcome them? That's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to deal with any of that. <laughs> yeah. It's really pretty nasty. Yeah, it's enough that you've got to kind of deal with peers as well as dealing with adults that are throwing stuff at your head. <laughs> Goodness me. Yeah, <laughs> you learned um, that. Yeah, no, that's all. that all sounds fantastic. So obviously adding in the personal elements, some illustrations, and I love that the quotes are from, say, past students, because obviously I know a lot of nonfiction does have quotes in it, but to have it from real people who have dealt with the issues as well, I think that adds a certain something to it. So that's fantastic. So the book is currently published with Dixie Books. Uh, did you send it out to many publishers before submitting to them or receiving an acceptance? This one was actually really interesting. After spending like 20 odd years of my life sending books out, getting rejected <laughs> and all the other process that you go through, this particular book didn't get sent out at all. First of all, I'll just to take a step back. I decided I'd had enough of getting almost to publication with a lot of traditional publishers. You know, you go through the process. A lot of them I was getting fantastic feedback but not getting over the line with a publishing contract or it was going to acquisitions and then it was falling at the last hurdle. And I got, I'd had enough. And I went, well, that's it. I'm just going to write a book and I'm going to self-publish a book and it's going to be this non-fiction book. And um, at the time I'd sent a, a picture book to Dixie Books. They had accepted it, which was interesting. So I should have said like 20 years ago, that's it, I've had enough. I'm going to self-publish <laughs> yeah. it. So they sent me a contract for this picture book and said, well, what else are you working on? And I said, well, I'm doing this book for students, but I'm going to self-publish and I'm going to do it as an e-book. And I went through the whole, what I was going to do with this book in Asia from Dixie Books said, well, can we have a look at it first? So I sent the first few chapters. Yeah, they liked it. I sent the rest of the book. And so they ended up publishing it. <laughs> That's so good. I just love that. <laughs> I've heard heard of that before. People saying, uh, I can't really quote any authors, but I know, which is a bad example, but Robert Patterson from Twilight. <laughs> he'd said before, I know, he'd said before Twilight that he just had enough. That was it. He's, he was done with the acting career. You know, he just, it's, it's probably even more brutal than the writing industry, I suppose, acting. And, and that was it. And then he, um, yeah, then he got the Twilight gig, although I think he was in Harry Potter before, so I don't know what he's talking about. But <laughs> yeah, I've heard that, but, you know, I've, I can't say I've thrown in the towel yet. I've been very close, so maybe I should just do that and see, see if anything comes around. But no, that yeah, is fantastic. It, yeah. It is just a matter of persistence, I think, and being in the right place at the right time. And yeah. I think part of that frustration is so much of it, if you look going the traditional route, so much of it is out of your control because you don't really know what the publishers are looking for. You don't know how much space they've got left on their list. Often I'll get like, we really like this story, but we've just published something similar. So there's so much you can't control. Yeah. Um, that's why I decided that, you know, um, I've looked at, like, I listen to a lot of author podcasts. I do a lot of reading about nonfiction and how to self-publish. Um, I'm an addict of um, Joanna Penn, the creative yeah, pen. I think too. a lot of people yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. And I was so inspired by her and I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to do it myself. And I, it's, I, there's still an opportunity there for me to self-publish something else. Yep. So I think I probably will still look at doing that just so mm. I can go through the process and go from start to finish and have something completely under my control. That's it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Yes, Joanna Penn has been an inspiration of mine. I've listened to her podcast for many, many years. She's actually the inspiration for this podcast to to get started and um, go out with ideas and things. But I, uh, yeah, plan on having her on as a guest. But I've, I've looked, I remember one of the episodes was 
she would come on a podcast if, if there was more than 10 episodes and now I've sort of looked at our website and it's more than 30 now so I think this is number 18 or 19 so after 30 I will approach her <laughs> so you're you nearly there yeah, you yeah, yeah, the yeah, there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah oh no that is that is uh fantastic and I think just as well with the traditional uh submissions it's, it's the weight as well I mean for some of them mm. it's not too bad but for a lot of them like you say you, you sometimes don't even receive any word back from them and you're kind of and it's no, that time no. it is a, a waiting game and we, I know a lot of indie authors and they're publishing machines and it's you know you feel like compared to you just sort of sitting waiting and they've you know published about four books but <laughs> yeah at that time yeah but it's a lot of work as well as it is definitely um, I've kept all my rejections from the last 20 odd years right yeah um it's, it's quite entertaining because some of them were like you had to you know print them out post them off wait six months get your rejection then go to the next publisher and of course it's, it's a little bit easier these days but yeah I actually got rejected today as well so there you go oh. <laughs> yeah and it happens to even the established authors you know like if they want to write something different and that's not for their publisher or just they can't you know I know a couple of people it's it's happening to right now so it's not just debut authors or or nobody like not newbies but yeah starting out so Um, you have to really sort of grow that thick skin don't you like initially I can remember when I was getting those rejections very early on that I've waited six months for just wanted to sit and cry in the corner and now I'm like oh well next next yeah yeah. so my attitude's changed a lot as well because I know it is there's it's not necessarily that the writing is bad it's just you're not in the right place at the right time so you need to try and be everywhere all the time I think (laughs) and I think that that comes with I guess experience of putting yourself out there so much because yeah in the beginning you just it's very hard not to take that rejection and then be like oh I'm shit my work shit you know (laughs) but then you you do start to know it's because of time place uh lists uh all sorts of things Um, but it's good you kept the rejections because again then you can also inspire aspiring authors that you yeah you got all these and you've got this now (laughs) these books so one of my favorite rejections was on a, a piece of paper it wasn't even like a four a4 sheet it was like a third of an a4 sheet and it just said dear author thank you for submission it's not suitable for us and that was it <laughs> that's all they wrote um and the next one I got um they hadn't even they they said oh thank you so much for your book and they got the name of the book wrong which I thought was a good effort oh no <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> okay that's okay we live and learn yeah that's uh oh goodness me yeah um so back to Dixie books how's your process been with them how's working with them and uh you know how long from when your books are well I guess yeah you can tell us about the picture book as well and your non-fiction and picture book from acceptance to well published product for the non-fiction and yeah how's it all gone with them so the picture book um was accepted like I said first I think that was in November the year before last there was a bit of a hold up with illustrators for the picture book so what actually happened was we sent this one the non-fiction through and Aisha the publisher said would you mind very much if we brought out the non-fiction first I'm like I don't care <laughs> so I was got a book in my hands so I don't mind which one it is and it was actually really quick I was surprised at how fast this one was so I sent the, the full manuscript, after we'd had a few discussions about it, I sent the full manuscript in early April of 2021. I got the contract sent to me on the 28th of April, and then I had the book was released on the 28th of October. So it was only a seven-month seven process wow. um, from yep. when they received the full manuscript to actually like published and out there. So 
I was really, really happy with that because I'm incredibly impatient most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I've, well, I've waited longer than that. I for was rejection. just going to say, <laughs> yeah, you've been waiting a long time for that as well. And sorry, I just wanted to say um, before, with all how you were saying you grew a thick skin and, and we do, I guess, as writers with the rejections, do you think that's all part of it, you know, prepping us to have these thick skins? Because at the end of the day, and especially what you write about fear and self-doubt, I know that when I... I independently published a, a middle grade novel in my first year of uni. And when I, you know, you're madly typing, you don't, and you've, you've put this product together. You don't even think about it. But as soon as I put it out there, I was crippled with self-doubt about having thoughts about what people thought of that. Cause I never had it professionally edited. So I was really like, oh my gosh. And people would say, oh, you know, you've, oh, you've got a book. And I'd say, oh no, it's crap. Don't buy it. I mean, that's exactly what I would say. <laughs> so I wonder like with all these rejections, like, and having to take that, uh, well rejection because we put ourselves out there and our work for people to judge so you know not not having that and then you, you sort of realize oh my work's not actually for everyone and it's okay it's all right it doesn't mean yeah. that person you know I would just wonder that so yeah absolutely I, I think that's really important like, I still go through my, my husband will tell you how often I go <laughs> oh this is all garbage I'm gonna give it up I'm gonna do something else and then he'll say oh yeah radio and then I'll come back and he go so what do you reckon I said well it's okay I can salvage something out of that so I think that is I think whenever you do anything creative and I think we're our own worst critics yeah um, and sometimes you just try and silence that voice and just push on regardless mm -hmm. and and you're right like anything that goes out in the world isn't going to be to everyone's taste mm -hmm. like there's some fantastic books that have written, been written that I don't like at all some of the great classics of all time yeah I've struggled to read and some others that everyone says are garbage I think well actually that was a really good book I really enjoyed that so, yeah I mean be a boring Different old world taste. if we all like the same thing that's right yeah and we could almost say that's part of the process that um oh there's there's that part of the process where i think i'm shit when actually i'm good and tomorrow i'll be amazing <laughs> so. yeah. yeah it is amazing and what i find really amazing is i can read a, a paragraph tonight and go well that's absolute garbage yeah and then i'll wake up tomorrow morning and look at it and go oh actually i quite like that now. <laughs> Oh, that's fabulous. So no, that's great that they were on a speed train with the nonfiction. So the, sorry, did you touch on the picture book? So they're going to do that um, next. Oh yeah. So yeah. no, the picture book um, is well into production now. All of the illustrations in black and white and I've, about half of the book is now in colour and I've seen the cover. So there is oh, definite exciting. progress. So yeah. Yeah, um, we'll have two launch dates. There'll be a launch date in the UK and then a launch date for Australia as well. I don't know what the dates are yet, but I've got a feeling it won't be too much longer before I actually get to see the finished product, which is really exciting. And, and seeing your ideas come alive, what this illustrator has done with just my few words on the page is just incredible. So yeah, yeah I'm so excited. Oh, wonderful. Is there any reason they wanted to do the nonfiction first, do you think, over a picture book? You think that'd be to do um, with audience or no? No, I get the impression that there was um, Trump just trying to find the right illustrator. Mm. Um, I think was was a, a bit of a, not, not a battle, but I think it was something they were taking quite seriously. And there was a couple of sort of false starts. Um, and this, this latest illustrator has just been absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, it's really good. Can't wait for it to come out. Oh, fantastic. That's great. So now the um, you've got this is out and you've had your launch and, you know, you obviously had books at the launch to sign and things like that. So I take it Dixie Books is based in the UK. Do they have distributors here that they obviously send send the books over or into bookstores and things like that? Yeah. So there's a there's a few different things that they do. So basically the best 
way to purchase the book is online. Um, I've got um, a couple of independent bookstores that are taking copies of the book and I need to get my thumb into gear and get to a few more. Um, but generally online, they've got them on all the online bookshops. So wherever you're buying from, like whether it's um, Book Depository or direct from the publisher, they've actually got quite a good deal on my book at the moment through Dixie Books in quite cheap postage. So Anywhere online, I've got my own website. You can buy it off my website, just lorrainehorsley.com, which is pretty easy for people to remember. They seem to be pushing it in the UK. Um, obviously, it's on their website. It's in their catalogue. They do a lot of um, promotion through Instagram and Facebook, so I pop up on their stories every now and again. It went to the Frankfurt Book Fair, which was oh, so wow. exciting, because that's certainly not something I would have achieved by myself. Yep. Um, it was wonderful to see my little yellow book there on the shelf, yeah. and apparently somebody from Serbia was so keen to read it, they insisted on taking it with them, so I don't know if that means anything, but it's gone to Serbia. <laughs> that's great. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> on my side of things, I guess I'm... Um, Doing, I'm hoping to do more talks in libraries. I want to do more talks in libraries, I guess, especially at the start of semester when people start to get that real, oh, maybe I shouldn't be here sort of feeling. Yep. Getting the book into libraries so it's easy for people to borrow, obviously. And I'm in the process of setting up my website. It is live, but it's a bit of a mess. I'm just trying to sort of work it out as I go along. Mm. Um, so I'm going to, I've got a bit of a blog for called The Last Minute Student, um, and I'm hoping to do a podcast as well. To oh, help fantastic. Students. Yeah, that's so, great. Good on you. Lots so, of things to keep me busy. Yeah. So are these things that, um, like the library talks, are these things that you source yourself through your library connections? Or is this something the publisher's telling you you should do? Or is you, you're just putting yourself out there? You're, you know, the publisher's quite happy for you to do the talks and, and all the extras. So before the book was accepted, I had a, a Zoom meeting with the publisher. And it, one of the questions was, how will you promote the book? Um, and I went through a long list of all the places that I could you know, access, the type of talks I could do. Um, I'm also really interested in maybe doing um, an online, like a mini workshop online. Um, so lots of little things like that, that, you know, probably pre-COVID, I probably wouldn't even have thought about, like all the online stuff that we can yeah. do. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're very, very keen, obviously, to promote from our end as well. But the, the world seems so much smaller. Like to, if, if somebody said to me when I was a kid, Obviously, I grew up in England. You'll be in Australia working with a London publisher and your illustrator will be in India. <laughs> I, would, I, I would have thought they were nuts. So, yeah. yeah, incredible times. It is. It is. It is amazing. Um, So when you do these talks like up at Kalgoorlie and things like that, do you take books up with you or how does the books? Because I know how it works for obviously self-publishing and stuff because um, we order the books ourselves and things. So how, how do you take books up to sell and stuff? How does that work? Yeah, so I buy books um, direct from the publisher as well. So yep. I get my discount and I take them with me. I've got a stash arrived just last week, actually. I've got about another 50 books on my, at my feet here. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've always got some with me and um, take them along and, and sell them and sign them and do all those wonderful things, which is just so nice to meet the people that are buying your books. And yeah. Yeah, it's really good. That's great. And to get the books over, have you had much trouble with shipping? Because it's been a bit of a nightmare, I know, for some people with... Uh shipping at the moment because of COVID yeah. and all sorts they've, um, they've come okay I didn't have any trouble yeah I haven't had any trouble getting the books direct from the publisher myself um initially there was a problem with books that were on pre-order that didn't make it to Australia there was a big delay and a lot of the orders unfortunately got cancelled because there was such a delay um but now I've been online of, like the last week just checking out all the online bookstores and it's, it's back it's everywhere again now so it is available. So that's Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So 
we've talked a lot about uh, your writing process, the publishing process, and obviously what, what you're doing to promote it. What are your tips for aspiring authors who would like to write nonfiction? Do you have any to share that you've obviously shared absolute gold already with, um, you know, how the book's laid out? Or is there anything along the way from your writing that you think that's good? Oh, there's lots. I'll, I'll start. There's so many, so many things. Um, I'm going to start with the nonfiction stuff first. I think if you're going to write non, well, I guess if you're going to write anything, but nonfiction, you really have to love your subject because you're going to go into it and you're going to do a lot of research. You're going to spend a lot of time with it. You're going to hate it and you're going to love it and you're going to hate it. And hopefully by the end, you love it again. So you need to be something you're really passionate about and something you really feel that you need to tell the world. Um, I would suggest that people, if they've got an idea for a nonfiction book, is to brainstorm openly, get all your ideas down. Don't edit at all at that stage, because that's certainly what I did with this book. Um, and well, like I said, what I initially started with is pretty much what I ended up with, but there were no bad ideas. Like I just, I had to be really open with myself, I guess. Also in nonfiction, do your research because your book is only going to be as good as the quality of your research. And often you will find that research challenging. I found some areas of what I was researching actually challenged my belief system. Like, um, that, for example, there was a section on learning styles, um, which a lot of us have learned as teachers about learning styles. But the modern neuroscience research challenged a lot of that. So I went back and did some more research and um, had a few interesting discussions with people, um, some heated discussions with um, <laughs> a friend of mine who's a, a doctor of education. And I came full circle. So I actually changed that chapter completely based on what I'd found out in the research that I'd done. So don't be wow. afraid to challenge your own thinking. Yeah, and you might learn something interesting along the way. And also with nonfiction, of course, as with any book, it, you really need to keep that audience in mind. So all the way through, I kept thinking about 18-year-old Lorraine, who was just starting university, and all the students that are sitting in front of me at the beginning of every semester looking like, you know, a rabbit in the headlights. So yeah, keep, keep, keep your audience in mind. That's great. That is wonderful. So do you want some general tips for authors as well? Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> All two. the tips. Yeah. For general aspiring <laughs> authors no, that aren't so much related to nonfiction. Yeah. That'd be grand. Yeah. I think um, there's been so many tips and tricks I've picked up along the way and some things have really sort of stuck with me. And the most obvious one, which is something I probably avoided for a long time, like I was always doing another course or listening to another podcast or reading another book was actually to sit down and write um, and how important it is to not delay sitting down and writing. And for years, I wrote very little because I was waiting for that whole day when I was going to be able to write or that full half day. Um, and in the end, I threw that out the window. I thought, I'm never going to have the time. It's never going to exist. So I'm just going to grab some of the time that I have got. So actually doing that, I managed to complete a first draft of a junior fiction novel in just 20 minutes a day. Yep. And they're really short, sharp chapters. Um, I'd start at 2.30 just before I had to leave to pick up the kids from school and I'd get a chapter done before I pick them up. And I was amazed at how much I could actually get done if I just sat and really focused. We talked a little bit earlier about inner critics. Um, so I'd say tell your inner critic to go and sit in another room. They're not allowed into the room with you while you're writing. They can only come in when you're editing. And only then if they behave themselves and only give you constructive criticism. So they're not allowed <laughs> to do that. Oh, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone masters how to do that, I want them to let me know because yeah. it's very hard to do. <laughs> Another good tip, which is something I do to cheer myself up from time to time, is to find the authors that you really admire 
and search out really bad reviews of their books. Oh, really? Because I've never I heard think, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this with Stephen King. I really admire Anne Cleves. I really admire. Um, and I found some really poor reviews of their books and I've read them and I've thought, well, I certainly would never have said that about their work. Wow. Um, what have they so said? They have, they have bad days just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, well, well, Stephen King, when he won one of the major awards, was just, just copped a hammering because he was like, you know, wrote books that would have originally been known as Penny Dreadfuls and didn't know the art and all this sort of stuff. So that elitism, I guess. Um, mm. I read one um, just recently about Anne Cleves, about a book I really enjoyed. I would easily have given it five stars. This person had given it a one-star review and said it was trite and the characters were unbelievable. And I thought, well, that was amazing because I thought the characters in every Anne Cleves book I've ever picked up, of course, she was the... Um, inspiration for the Vera series on TV and also Shetland you couldn't get better characterization yeah. so like we said before everyone's got a different opinion <laughs> the other last tip I've got and this is one that again applied to me is to take your book off the pedestal that you've put it on I wanted to write the book it was going to be a great book it was going to be perfect it, it was wonderful in my head and it was going to be perfect on the page and of course you're never going to be able to achieve that you're never going to, it's never going to come out of your head onto the page as perfectly as you want so take it off the pedestal as soon as I started to think I'm going to write 100 books before I die not just one book then all of a sudden the pressure was off that one book mm. and I could just enjoy the process of writing and when all said and done it's just words on a page and anyone can do that and then you can go back and edit them and make them better and get people to read it and make it better again so and then eventually you have to abandon your book to the world or move on to the next one yeah, no, that's fantastic. They're they're great tips. They they are. They've absolutely spoke to me. Can I just ask when <laughs> when you were sort of waiting for that day? Because again, I can just relate to you so much on everything. But you're waiting for that full day or that half day. Did you ever find it, if it did come? Like you don't actually sit and write for that full day or that half day. I always find like I can write in probably about two hour spurts and that's it. And then I've got to, I've got to either eat or move around. It's never for that whole day. And like you said, when you've got that tiny bit of time, it's almost like, oh, I've only got this time. So it's do, 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 do. And you seem to get a lot more done, yeah. I guess, when it's like that. Yep. Because now my kids are a lot older. Um, there have been days when I've had a whole day. But again, everything else seems to crowd into that day. It's like, oh, well, you know, the shopping's more important and this is more important and you procrastinate. But now I've worked out that I can only really concentrate and write full on for about 45 minutes mm. and then I've, I'm tired. So yeah. it's like, well, why did I ever think I needed seven hours in the first place? <laughs> why did I think that was a thing? So mm. often I'll get up a little bit earlier, maybe just an hour earlier, because I know in that time I can write about a thousand words and that's my writing done for the day. So I can go yep. off to the rest of my day feeling free that I've actually done it otherwise it yeah. hangs over me and it's like if I don't get to write that day yeah. it does sit there and go it eats away at me as though right. I feel like I failed for the day yeah so <laughs> you I'm, are a you hard critic to, <laughs> yeah you only, you only have to write for five minutes ten minutes to, to yeah. make that feeling go away because that's yeah. progress do you think so obviously that was your how you would feel if you didn't do it but do you think writing every day is quite significant or do you think it's just um, whatever works for to. that person? I used to think you have to write every day, but no, I don't think that anymore at all. Because again, that's just another barrier. Mm. And if you think, well, it's a bit like when you go on a diet, like, you know, I won't have chocolate ever again. <laughs> and then you have a chocolate and you go, oh, well, that was that then. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a bit the same with writing. You set yourself these impossible goals um, and it just creates another barrier. And then if, yeah. you, if you don't meet that, 
deadline for the day or get your words down for the day you feel like you failed and I think we need to be a bit kinder to ourselves Mm. so there's lots of days that go by when I don't write anything and I think well that's okay because this is what I've done today and often when I'm not writing it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about the stories or jotting down ideas or I've got this little um, app on my phone and I'll be out walking and I'll have an idea and I just record it send it as voice to text most of the time it gets it right sometimes it doesn't make much sense what Um, app's that what one's that it's called Otter and it's only I've only got the free version um and it's pretty good yeah I think sometimes my my English accent might get it sometimes but (laughs) yeah I use (laughs) um it's pretty good yeah I use uh it's called Thrive Thrive Live Live or Thrive Live something or other it's a little elephant and um I use that for dictating and oh same with my accent I say book book and it, it's coming up Luke Luke no drives me insane so <laughs> yeah well that's it exactly if it, you know I, I'm someone who I've noticed I really need to think out and flesh out a lot of stuff before even kind of sitting down to to write anything and I think thinking about your book and what's happening is just as important as writing as well yeah for sure often yeah. I find if I if I go to bed at night and I'm thinking about a writing problem I'll wake up the next morning and it's solved and mm. sometimes I think you have to allow that that subconscious to kick in because that's I think that's where the creativity lives and often we can't hunt it down we just don't yeah. let it come out at the same time that's it yeah oh that's absolutely wonderful Lorraine thank you so much for your amazing tips you did mention before <laughs> where people can find you online and in store but if you want to share with us again where where we can discover you and your books Thank you. Yeah, it's LorraineHorsley.com is my rather minimalist website. And it's Horsley is H-O-R-S-L-E-Y. Often people spell it Horsley and that won't find me at all. Um, Lorraine Horsley author on Facebook and Instagram. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lorraine. That was amazing. I'm sure all the authors listening who are aspiring to write nonfiction or even just put themselves out there and and get through the fear, uh, really appreciate everything you've just shared. So thank you. Thanks, Joe. It was fun. Happy writing. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. On the next Hybrid Author Podcast, we have an interview with Jodie Spiteri-James from the Australian Society of Authors, talking on the topic of author mentorships. And I must apologise because I think in one of the previous episodes, I possibly said Jodie Spiteri James so apologies there Jodie (laughs) and even though I wasn't successful in snagging one of these Australian Society of Authors mentorships programs this time around those ones were for free 20 free ones up for grabs so that was the competition whereas the mentorships you can actually pay for them through the Australian Society of Authors and so we touch on what you know the different kinds of author mentorship that the Australian Society offer and how they can help an author's career at what what points in your career can you apply for these mentorships and and how they they help you further so fantastic interview so I look forward to sharing that with you and it's bye for now That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.